My name's Rhiannon, part of the team here, as we always say. <laughs> it's great to be here today, and uh, we're going to continue looking at uh, the series that we've called I Love My Church. Now, you know, it's okay to say that you love your church. I'm just going to say something to you today that you guys don't have to be here today. You know, no one's forced you. You're all adults. You've all got decisions and choices to make, but you've come here today. And I'm assuming that you've come here today because you love your church. You know, it's, it's certain thing. I know we always say in, in, in Britain, oh, don't get too proud. It's okay to be proud of belonging to your church. And this is what we want to look at over the course of the next couple of weeks, just looking at what makes our church something that we want to love. And really, this, this series gets at the values of church. It gets at the values of church. And it's supposed to encourage us. It's supposed to inspire us to want to say, yeah, do you know what? I love my church. You know, before I had, um, before we had Brooke, our daughter, you know, people would um, come up and show me baby photos of their kids doing stuff. And I used to think, oh, my word. Another baby photo, you know, like I'd, I'd just, Facebook could get full of them all and this, and, and just endless photos. They all look the same, don't they, honestly? Apart from when you have your child, you think they don't look the same. They're totally different. Totally looks like, you know, they all look the same, don't they? But then when you have your own child, you get it because you want to show everyone. You'll show anyone who is vaguely interested uh, reams of photos of, of your children and, and it totally opens you up to a whole new thing. So, so we've got a shared album of, of our daughter, Brooke, and we're also on a shared album of my niece, Sienna. And, do you know, I find myself at work, perhaps, when a, a photo pops up, and I want to, like, show it to someone. And I sit next to our youth pastor, Josh, who is not really... He, he humours me. He's not massive. He likes Brooke, but he's never even met Sienna. And I'm like, oh, look at this picture of this child. And, you know, she rolled over the other day, and I had to, like, everything within me was like, nobody cares. Just keep it to yourself. But, you know, I love her, and so I'm proud of her, and I want to talk to people about her. And, and our church, we should feel the same about our church. You know, we should want to chat about it. I met someone the other day that I'd not seen for six months, and that was the first time I met them six months ago when we moved into our house. They live on our estate, and I hadn't seen them for a while. And I was chatting to her, and I, I, I mentioned church, and she went, oh, yeah, you mentioned that last time. And I thought, oh, did I? I probably mentioned it a lot because I love it. I want to talk about it. And so really, we're doing this series because we want to um, talk about the things that we love about our church and what makes us unique. You know, if you went to pretty much any church within the UK, pretty much any church that believes in the Bible, believes in Jesus, we would probably all have very similar doctrinal statements. You know, we, we, would adhere, we adhere to the Evangelical Alliance Statement of Faith. There's no surprises in what we believe. But when you go to different churches, you'll have all experienced this. They can feel totally different. If you spoke to the vicar or the pastor or the minister, I'm sure that we probably have loads in common. We probably believe really similar things. But something makes a church different. And I think it's the values. And values come down to a phrase that we've often used. It's how we do things around here. What we do, what we hold to be uh, really important the way that we do uh, uh, connect, the way that we set the chairs out, the way that we do worship. It's all to do with the way that we value things and the emphasis that we put on things. And so that's what this series is looking at. It's looking at what we value. 
You know, whenever you go, I don't know whether you've had lots of jobs. I've had loads of jobs. Part of my training is I used to have to go to lots of different specialties. And I used to feel for, I could do the job, but I didn't always know how they did it around there. Have you ever had that? So you feel like you need to wear this sign saying, please, I'm not stupid. I have done this job before. I just don't know what you do around here. I don't know where the photocopier is. I don't know where all these things that you feel you should know. How, I don't know how you should know these things. But you feel like you need to justify the fact that I am worth paying. Just give me a bit of my time to find my feet, you know? It's the values that make things unique, and that's what we want to look at. Today, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at the value of honor. We value honor. And I'm really excited because I want to share with you one of my real favorite, favorite stories in the Bible today. And it's found in Luke chapter 19. And uh, when I mentioned to someone I was going to talk about this, they went, oh, yeah, that's like one of your favorites, isn't it? You always talk about him. So um, anyway, just bear with me. <laughs> but I love, this, I love this story because for me, it gets to the heart of what honor is about. You see, honor can sometimes sound really distant. It can sometimes sound like it's a very formal thing. Um, and, and when you look at definitions in the dictionary, it talks about it either as a noun or a verb, but it talks about respect. It talks about holding in great esteem. And um, that can sound, I think, quite a formal way to approach honor. But I think honor is much deeper than that. You know, sometimes we honor people by getting them up the front and publicly encouraging them and publicly saying all that they do. And, and that is part of honor. But again, I think honor goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than that. And this uh, story for me in Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus, for me is, is such a powerful story about how Jesus saw things. Doing things, as we sang in that song, the Jesus way. How he interacted with people. How he dignified people. How he honored people. And we're just going to read that today. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 19. We're going to read uh, the first 10 verses. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowds. Amen. Anybody else? Armpit level. Um, <laughs> so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to, the, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. So Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Came to seek and to save the lost. It's such a fantastic story in my mind because really it just shows Jesus' heart towards people. And that's what I want us to look at because you can just imagine... Excuse me, I think I've got a hair stuck on my lip. There we go. You didn't need to know that. Um, you can just imagine Jesus walking to Jericho. And wherever Jesus went, there were always crowds. Wherever he went, there were always crowds. In fact, in order for Jesus to have some time with God, uh, his father, he often had to withdraw away from crowds. Sometimes he had to get on boats and, and go quite a in an elaborate way to get time to himself because there was always a crowd around him. 
And so here he is just passing through Jericho and there's a crowd in front of him. And maybe some of those people in the crowd are people that have followed him around a lot. Maybe there are a few kind of Jesus fanboys there and, and they would have known him and perhaps he recognized them and thought, hey, you know, it's great to see how you're doing. There could have been some people there that he might have healed or talked with or really, you know, he, he, there were loads of people there. And we know that because Zacchaeus said he couldn't get to the front of the crowd and so he chose to go up a tree. So we know that when Jesus was walking that there was a lot of crowd there. But here's what I love about Jesus. I just love this. He stopped and he looked up. And there, when he looked up, he saw Zacchaeus in a tree. Now, that's not really normal to see people hanging out of trees, really, is it? You know? Jesus wasn't distracted, though, by the crowd. He wasn't so distracted by the crowd that he didn't see the one. He didn't see the one. He wasn't so distracted. And that's because I think the first thing that we have to grasp about honor is that honor notices. Honor notices. We can make honor feel like this distant, formal thing, but actually honor starts with noticing. And Jesus had the crowd in front of him, but he still was able to stop and look beyond the immediate. He didn't have his vision kind of in a myopic way. He didn't have his vision right in front of him. He still was able to stop and look up. And then he saw in a more unusual place that there was a man in a tree and he noticed him. I wonder, I wonder what we're like. I wonder if we get distracted by the crowd. I wonder if sometimes we can get so absorbed within the crowd that, that, that we don't lift our eyes up and we don't see the people in our worlds that are hanging out of trees, that are in perhaps slightly more unusual places. See, it's so easy when you're in the crowd to want to stay in the crowd. And it's so easy to, to hear the, the noise of the crowd and the, the urgency of the crowd. Maybe your life has got a lot of stuff in it. Maybe you've got kids who are talking to you. Maybe you've got, you know, work. Maybe you've got all kinds of things that are coming at you that you could be forgiven like Jesus could have been for, for getting absorbed in the crowd. But somehow Jesus positioned himself to be able to notice people who are out of the crowd. And there's people, I think, that are outside of our crowds, perhaps the quiet ones, perhaps the unassuming ones, perhaps the people that don't feel involved in things, perhaps the people that struggle to connect, perhaps the person that's working so hard that they don't do it for any accolade, but they don't really get noticed, perhaps the person that doesn't really know how to engage with the crowd, how to get alongside the crowd. There's people that are within our worlds that are hanging out of trees, but I wonder how good we are at noticing them. You know, the family that come with three kids on a Sunday morning to the 9.30, how good are we at noticing the effort that it's taken them to get three kids to church on time every week on a Sunday? It doesn't have to be a big thing. How good are we at noticing these people that are perhaps struggling? Jesus was so good at it. And I want to see things the Jesus way. I want to be able to notice things that are slightly out of the ordinary, maybe on the periphery of my vision. Zacchaeus wasn't right in the front. He was on Jesus' periphery, but he positioned himself to notice. And that's what honor does. Honor, honor notices. It starts with noticing. And that's what I always say to people when they join the Connect team. I say, yeah, there's loads of different roles, but your role can be summed up in two words, notice people. 
notice the person that's coming in struggling because they're perhaps, um, you know, they've hurt their leg and they can't get to the back and they need it. They need a seat. Notice the person that doesn't know where to go. Notice the person um, who doesn't know how to register their kids. It's just noticing people, making them realise that they're valued. You can't honour what you haven't seen. You can't honour what you've not seen. So we've got to be people that notice. But what did Jesus see? This is what I find so interesting. See, when we read those few verses, we see that the crowd saw a sinner. In fact, Zacchaeus was referred to as a, as a sinner and then also referred to as a tax collector. He's referred to as being short. He was referred to as being wealthy. All these labels that were put onto Zacchaeus. But Jesus didn't go up to the tree and say, hey, you sinner. He didn't come up to the tree and say, hey, you short man. He didn't use any of the baggage to address Zacchaeus. He didn't use any of the labels that had been put on him. He said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. You see, the crowd will always look to dehumanize people and label other people. It will always look to say, oh, they're not like me. It will always look to say, we want to be together, we want to be similar, and those people are quite different from us, so we'll call him a sinner, or we'll call him this, or we'll call him that, and we'll give him a label. But Jesus wasn't interested in building a gap between the crowd and Zacchaeus. He was interested in building a bridge. And so when everybody else put labels on him and saw him and said, this is what you are because of what you do and the baggage and the past that you've got, Jesus said, no, 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 I see you, Zacchaeus. I see the you that God made you to be. I see the fact that within you, you're made in the image of God. I see the fact that actually there's an eternal soul nesting inside you. I see the fact that God's put eternity into your hearts. I see the fact that you've got a purpose and I've got a plan. And I wonder if that was one of the first times in a long time that somebody had looked at Zacchaeus and seen other things beyond his job, the fact that he had cheated people and all of the other stuff. I wonder if that's the first time somebody looked at him and saw the real him and called him by name because that's what honor does honor doesn't seek to make people feel out of things it seeks to notice the true them it seeks to notice them and I love that Jesus says at the end this too is a son of Abraham you know this is somebody who is part of God's plan and that's what Jesus does see the thing is you and I we get this when we're little you know, Brooke, I took Brooke to um, the farm the other day, which is a big sacrifice for me. I know there are people here who are farmers, but I am not interested in going to a farm where there's muck everywhere and it smells and all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, I've given birth to a child who really loves animals, and I don't really understand it. So anyway, we went to the farm, and um, I'd forgotten my uh, thing and uh, my card, and I was chatting to this lady trying to remember what address I'd registered it to because we'd moved and all that. And as I was doing that, there was a lady who must have been in her 80s in a wheelchair. And, and Brooke just kind of wandered next to this lady and started having a little chat with this lady and then ran over to me and went, Mummy, I've just been chatting to, uh, to the lady in the wheelchair. And uh, we, I said, oh, that's very nice, Brooke. And then when we walked around a little bit longer and we saw this lady, she then said to me, oh, Mummy, there's the lady that I spoke to. Now, you see, some of us could have looked at that lady and went, oh, look at her disability. Oh, she's a lot older than me. Oh, she's, you know, I don't really know what to talk to her about. You know, oh, my life doesn't look anything like hers. I can't even begin to, to begin to connect with that. But, you know, Brooks too. She just went, oh, hello. <laughs> she just connected with the fact that this was another human. I'm a human. Well, therefore, we can have a chat. Sometimes we totally overcomplicate things. 
We buy into society's kind of little stratas that we put people in. Oh, that person's in that social economic class. That person is of that race. That person speaks that language. That person's had that background. That person um, is married. That person's not married. That person has kids. We box people into all of these things. And I think, actually, we need to just break the boxes down and realize we're more alike than we are apart. And there's more within us that can connect with somebody than, than actually differences. You know, when I started um, university, I had this real kind of thought about how was I going to approach university? Uh, I've, I've always liked people and talking to people, and, um, but I was really nervous. I think everybody is when you go to university because you leave home, you don't know anyone, and you think, oh, my word, will I ever make a friend? That's the main question that everybody seems to have. And I'd gone with two people from my school, but they were a bit weird. So... <laughs> Uh, one used to recite pi to hundreds of decimal places. She was very nice, but I didn't have a lot to chat to her about and because um, <laughs> I couldn't get beyond 3.14, so that was kind of my, my issue. Um, and I just remember thinking, God, how am I going to do this? And I thought, and this is going to sound so cheesy, and as adults I look back and I think, oh my gosh, that's so cringy. But I just thought, right, I'm going to approach everyone and I'm just going to think this is a friend that I don't yet know. This is a friend that I don't yet know. It sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? And a little bit trite. But you know what? I had a fantastic time at university. I made loads of friends, not because of who I am, but just because I think, I just thought, why would I not connect with that person? I'm sure I could find something that I could connect with them over. And I look back at that girl now sometimes, and I think, oh, I've lost that. Because I've bought into society's way of saying, oh, mm, I'm not sure you're going to be able to connect with that person quite so well. Or, or you know, you're not really part of that bit, or you're part of that, and they're a little bit different. And, and you know, when I read this story of how Jesus noticed and honored, he didn't buy into any of that. He didn't buy into any of the crowd's kind of way of thinking. He honored Zacchaeus, and he noticed the potential within him and not the differences. So honor notices. The other thing that I love in this scripture, in this chapter, if you look at it, in the NIV, it says, uh, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through was passing through. Jesus wasn't intending to stay in Jericho. He had a plan. Sometimes we can think Jesus just sort of waltz from one place to another, but it says here he was passing through. So we imagine he was going somewhere, okay? But then he saw Zacchaeus in the tree, and he noticed him. Now, what I would have done is probably if I'd been Jesus, I would have said, hey, Zacchaeus, okay? I see you, you've got great potential, you know, maybe you need to change a few things in your life, but you're, you, you, you know, I see you. And then I would have perhaps walked on. I might have said, hey, why don't you have a chat with one of my disciples? One of them, Luke, he's pretty organized, um, he's a PA, so he might be able to fit you in next week, maybe I'll come for dinner, here's what I don't eat, I don't eat, you know, pork and all that kind of stuff, so, so, cut, so I'll see you next week. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was like, passing through, looked up at Zacchaeus and changed his plans. He changed his plans. And here's the thing, honor costs. We notice, but really true honor costs, because what Jesus did was he got involved in Zacchaeus's life. He didn't say, oh, hey, lovely to see you. I'm going to move on. He got involved. And this is the bit that some of us find really hard. You know, I'm not, I'm not too bad at noticing stuff because I've always been generally nosy. <laughs> so I often kind of look around and see things. But I remember growing up um, when we went out for a meal and it would be a treat or an occasion because we, we didn't go out that much. We didn't have loads of money. And uh, 
But I would always really struggle if I saw somebody eating on their own. And as a kid, and probably still now, I had a very overactive, dramatic imagination, okay? I was brought up on Anne of Green Gables, which if any of you have read, will just know that everything becomes very dramatic and traumatic. So whenever I went to these <laughs> restaurants, if I saw someone eating on their own, I would conjure up this tragedy that probably this person had, you know, and think, oh my word, this poor person is here because all this, you know, maybe, maybe all these things happen, maybe they've got not a single soul left and they've gone, oh, you know, and I get really upset. And I remember once my dad had had enough of it because, you know, it was a sense of occasion and we were going out and I was saying, oh dad, look at that person all on their own and isn't it tragic? I now realise that actually it's quite nice to go out sometimes on your own and have a little bit of a break, but in my naivety I, I didn't realise that. Um, just couldn't get my head around it. And I remember dad having enough once, I'm not sure whether he remembers this, and he said to me, either invite that person over for dinner or shut up moaning about it. He said, do you want him to come over? And I said, no, I don't want him to come over. And he said, I said, this is our special meal. It'd be really weird, dad, to have that, you know, old man come over to our table. And dad said, well, give over then and enjoy your dinner and stop ruining it for everyone else. Because... <laughs> Because I was all right at the noticing, but the cost of ruining a family dinner, I didn't want to take. And so often, we can do that, can't we? We can know, oh, look at that person right on their own. Oh, that's really sad. But I'm going to go and sit here with my guys, because actually, do you know what? It's quite an effort. And I've had a bit of a hard week, and I could really do with some encouragement from my friends. So that person that's on their own over there, shame, but I'll just stay over here. <laughs> you know, we can do it, can't we? But Jesus didn't do it because he saw Zacchaeus. He had a plan. He had a plan of where he was going. He wasn't intending to stay in Jericho. But he saw Zacchaeus and said, I must come to your house today for tea. And I bet the disciples were thinking, oh, my word. We're never going to get where we need to go. What if he goes on too late? Jesus can't do anything short. He always has to go into everyone's life. And blah, blah, blah. He get, you know, we're gonna, we're ne where are we going to stay? What if we don't get there on time? And he, Jesus didn't care about that. He was okay with a detour because he saw something in Zacchaeus that he felt needed to be responded to. And if we're going to truly honor people, not only do we need to notice them, we have to get involved in their lives. We have to understand there is a cost, but you can't fully honor what you don't know. And so you have to get involved in their lives and you have to say, hey, I'm with you for this. You know, so the family that you see that arrive on time with all their three kids every week, maybe you relate to that because that perhaps was you 20, 30 years ago. So maybe it goes from just saying, hey, I see you, great job, to, hey, can I bring you a dinner? Because there's no point inviting you over for dinner because then you've got to find a babysitter, but maybe I could come and cook at your house. Or maybe if you ever want to have a coffee and I can tell you some of the mistakes that I made so you don't do them yourself, I'd love to do that. I want to get involved. And that's what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. That is what he did. And that's what we have the opportunity to do when we want to honor people. We have more in common with people than we do apart. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, and that's a really key thing that you need to notice. He didn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, when you've done X, Y, Z, and you're a little bit less of a sinner, and, you know, okay, you can't do much about being short, but you could give a bit of your money away, and you could do all this and that, maybe you could come and hang out with me. Um, we could go up to the temple, and we could have some time together. No, he didn't do that. He just said, get down from your tree. I'm going to come to your house today for tea. And that really totally overwhelmed and blessed Zacchaeus. Now, some of you are thinking, that would be my worst nightmare if Jesus just, you know, I'd need at least six months planning 
to have Jesus for dinner. <laughs> but it made a difference for Zacchaeus. He got involved. Jesus wasn't worried about the cost. There wasn't just a cost to his plan. There was a cost to his reputation. Because it said there, didn't it, that um, the crowd started to grumble. Oh, he's going to have dinner with a sinner. And sometimes when you perhaps look out of the crowd, when you perhaps start to, to notice people who aren't in your immediate circle, maybe the people that are in your immediate circle might start going, what, what is this person doing? You know, do they like those people more than they like us? What is going on? There's a cost involved when we start to get involved in people's lives. But I believe, as we'll see later, that it's totally worth it. Honor notices, honor costs. And the final thing I just want us to look at is this fact that Zacchaeus felt utterly excluded. It's really interesting that Zacchaeus was described as being short, okay? Now, I'm fairly short. I'm 5'3", depending on, you know, what I'm wearing and things. <laughs> but I've been in loads of gigs and things like that, and I've never really had a problem because generally you can weave your way to the front, and people don't really mind because they can see over you. You can't see over them. It's not an issue. So normally you can get yourself down to the front, and it's absolutely fine, unless you accidentally get in like a mosh pit, which I have done, and that's really terrifying, and you need to get out straight away. Um, but um, <laughs> normally you can get down to, to, to the front. But for Zacchaeus, that was not an option. Rather than trying to get down to the front, he felt so excluded and not part of the crowd that he thought it was preferable to climb up a tree. Now, this guy was a guy of standing in society. He says he was a chief tax collector. So that's a fairly undignified thing to do, to climb up a tree. It kind of says to me that he was really not liked by the crowd. If he thought, I could push to the front, they're not going to let me push to the front. Hey, I'm just going to go climb a tree instead. That really says a lot about what he felt about the crowd and where his position was. And it kind of says to me that he felt totally excluded from the crowd. And his role would have been very much like that. I mean, a tax collector was kind of, <laughs> used to take the money from the Jews and give it to the, to the Romans, to the enemies. So he was not really in any camp. He would very much have been on his own. We don't know why he ended up in that position. It doesn't sound like the kind of job you want to get in, does it? But maybe he's always felt excluded from the crowd. Maybe as a kid, he felt excluded. And maybe he just thought, well, this is my role. I'm just going to do it. We just don't know. But we know that he climbed that tree rather than pushing through the crowd. We know that something made him feel that he was not allowed in the crowd. His place was better in the tree. He was excluded. But the thing about honor is that honor includes. Honor includes. And when Jesus saw him... When Jesus said, I want to get involved, I want to come to your house today, Zacchaeus went from being on the outside of things, went from feeling excluded to feeling included. He suddenly realized, I can be part of this. This is not just for the crowd. This is not just for the people who are better than me. This is for me. When he realized that somebody saw him for who he was, it changed him. I wonder if the crowd maybe kind of had all had a, a go at him. Maybe they were the people that he'd taken the money from. I wonder if they'd rallied against him and said, you know, this is not fair. You owe us this money and, and all that kind of stuff. But it perhaps hadn't moved him at all. Maybe it had made him dig his heels in even more. But something on that day made him realize that I'm not fully happy feeling excluded all the time. And I want to see who this Jesus is. Maybe if he'd realized he was going to give away all his money, 
He would have said, that's not a good financial move. <laughs> but you don't always know what journey you're going to go on, do you, before you start it. But something made him say, I need to see Jesus, and I need to get up that tree. And I think there's people in our worlds that are hanging in trees, and they don't really know why, but something has made them realize there's something I need to do differently. I'm fed up of being on the outside. I'm fed up of being excluded. And Jesus, when he honored Zacchaeus, when he appealed to his humanity, when he dignified him, when he didn't just call him names and labels, when he called him by his name, something changed in Zacchaeus. Something changed, and he got down from the tree, and he said, I'm going to give away my money. I'm going to pay back what I owe. And he went from being excluded to being included. And that's what honor does. Honor notices people, and it takes them from feeling excluded to feeling included. Do you know, we all, at some points in our lives, have felt excluded. Maybe we felt excluded from the family of God. Maybe we felt excluded at school. Maybe we felt excluded in all different manner of places. You know, you can feel excluded even if you're part of a church. It's good to remember what it felt like to feel excluded. It's good to remember your story because it will help you include other people on the journey. One of the times when I struggled a little bit in church was um, through nobody's fault. I was really connected in C3, but then I... Uh, got some, uh, a job as a tra trainee doctor and had to do so many different shift patterns. And I was already, thankfully, had friends and connections. I really feel for people who come to a new church with a new job and are working shifts because it's really difficult. And um, that never left me, that feeling of, um, you know, not necessarily being able to be there and feeling like you had to over-justify why you couldn't make it because you're at work and always feeling torn. And, and um, I'd kind of forgotten it until a bit recently and I felt like God reminded me again about, you know, noticing people. Because one of the things that we often talk about is, hey, if you want to get part of church, come on team. Come on team, it will do you good. But for some people, I realize it's really hard to be on team um, because, you know, we do rotors. We've done the rotors recently now from September to September next year, okay? We've planned the whole year ahead in terms of rotors. But people's lives can't always fit in with that. And um, I remember what that felt like. And um, recently I've been talking to a few people and I've just said, we've said as a team, just come on board anyway. Just drop us an email and say, hey, I can make these times because I've only got my rotor this week. Or, you know, some, we, we had a girl that was in retail and um, she would just email me and say, hey, I can come on these times. And it was such a blessing. You know, okay, it felt like a tiny little tweak, a tiny cost because we couldn't always plan exactly who we we're going to have every week. But I tell you, when we've got in the swing of it, those people that we've had on board have gone from feeling perhaps slightly excluded to feeling included. And they're some of the best guys that we've got because they're so full of enthusiasm for being part of the team. And it was just such a tiny, tiny thing. And actually, um, Hannah, who um, you know, was in retail, has now changed her job. She's one of our connect leads. And we are far more blessed by having these people on board okay, than the slight inconvenience of just saying, oh, maybe we're not going to always know what our rotor looks like, but that's okay. Because people always trump process. And it's all just about noticing. And that's just a small thing. And I don't want you to go away from this thinking honor needs to be a massive, you know, this is your life thing. It's just noticing small things and thinking, could I get involved? Could I change that? Could I do something so that somebody goes from feeling excluded to included? I wonder if the band could come up for me now, please. You know, I am sure that the crowd complained to Zacchaeus. 
about the taxes, but complaining didn't work. But honor changed him in a moment. The crowd that cursed him ended up being blessed by him. Isn't that amazing? You just don't know where honor could take you. When you start to notice who God made these people to be, when you start to identify the fact that we are all made in the image of God, that we're not so different, you and I, that we've all at some points in our lives been excluded, but now we've got the privilege of being included. You see, our family of God is not an exclusive family. It's not an exclusive club. You know, this, this family is far-reaching. There is no cap on the number of people that can be in God's family. It's an inclusive family. It's available for all people. And that's one of our values, is that we want to be a church where we say everybody is welcome. And we want to notice people and we want to say, hey, I see you. I see you. I just wonder if we could stand for a moment. And I just want to give you uh, an opportunity to just think about your Jericho. To think about the world that you're living in at the moment. You know, Jesus was passing through Jericho. We're all passing through things. Maybe you're passing through and you're in a job at the moment. Maybe you're at home with children. Maybe you're at college. Maybe you're about to go to university. I just want you to close your eyes and I just want you to think, who is there that's up a tree somewhere in my life? Who is there that perhaps isn't in the immediate crowd, but they're on the outside a little bit? Who is there that is coming to mind right now that I need to notice a little bit more? Perhaps it's a work colleague. Perhaps it's a friend at college. Perhaps it's somebody that you've seen around church and you think, they look like they need to connect. Who have you noticed? And I just wonder if we've got somebody, I'd love us to pray for them. I wonder if you've got someone, if you can raise your hands, let's just all pray together for those people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've got someone you think, I need to pray for that person. I need to honor them. I need to get involved in their lives. Then let's just pray because honor makes a difference. Jesus, we pray for each of these hands that are raised that represents a person. Lord, I just pray for the people that have raised their hands. I pray, God, that you would give them insight. I pray you'd give them discernment and wisdom on how to connect with these people, God. Lord, I just pray that if there's a cost involved, God, that it won't hinder the, the people that have raised their hands today, God, that they would just want to get involved. And Lord, I pray for some fantastic stories. Lord, fantastic stories just from small things like noticing people, getting involved, counting the cost. God, I pray that we would see lasting fruit. And I pray that as these people go out and honor them, God, that you would honor the fact that they're honoring people. And Lord, that that honor would just multiply, that it would go and change, change families, God, change communities, change workplaces, God, because we believe your good news does make a difference, God. Just want to keep your heads bowed. I just want to talk to some people that maybe today, as I've been sharing, you're actually identified more with Zacchaeus. Maybe you feel a little bit like you're on the outside. Maybe you feel like today coming to church is your equivalent of hanging out of a tree. Maybe you're not really sure why you've come here even, but there's something that you felt, I need, I need to go and, and see something of this Jesus. 
But I felt as I was preparing this really strongly in me that, that some of you said, you know, I wish that Jesus was here today and he could just say my name. And he could just say, you know, Sarah, come down from that tree. I see you. I know you. But I felt God say to me, tell them that I do see them. In Genesis 16, it refers to God as the God that sees me. He's not just the God of the crowd. He's never distracted by the crowd at the cost of the one. And I don't know your names, but God knows your name. And he sees you in whatever tree you're hanging out of right now. And he's saying, do you know what? I see you. Come down out of your tree because I want to get involved in your life. And do you know the beautiful thing is? Jesus has already paid the cost that it costs to get involved in your life. Because that's what he did on the cross. The cost has been paid. There need be no delay for him to get involved in your life. Because he's paid the cost. He's, he's paid the cost. Your sins, your bad decisions, the things that you feel ashamed of, the things that are a failure, the times when you feel like you should have been a success and you haven't, they're all that baggage, the labels that your family have put on you, the labels your friends have put on you, the labels the school have put on you when you were growing up, the labels that you carry, God doesn't care about. He sees you and He calls you by name today. He calls you by name and He says, get down off your tree. I've paid the cost to get involved in your life. Now, what's the delay? I just want to come along with you. I want to hang out with you for tea. You know, I'm not saying life's going to be easy, but I'm saying that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you because I have seen such value in you. I know that you're created in the image of God and I couldn't stay in heaven and leave you. That's why I came down to pay the cost and rose again. We're going to pray a prayer right now that's going to give you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm coming down off my tree. I want you to be involved in my life. And I want you to, to come and show me a different way. I want to go from feeling excluded to feeling included in all that you've got for me. We're going to pray this as a church. And afterwards, I'm going to ask you if you've prayed it and you meant it. I want you to put your hand up. And we're going to give you a gift. Because we just want to honor the decision that you've made. Because we think it's a great decision. Because we've all done it at some point. We've gone from feeling excluded to being included. Let's pray this prayer. Dear God. I thank you for noticing me. I thank you for knowing my name. I thank you for paying the cost. I thank you that I don't have to be bowed down by my past. Take it all, all the mistakes, all the failure, all the shame. I ask for your forgiveness. I want you to be the Lord in my life. Thank you. Amen. Just if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want you to put your hand up in the air. We're going to give you a gift. We're going to give you a gift just to say, great decision, great decision. Thank you. Thank you. That's such a good decision that you have made. Come down off your tree. Jesus wants to get involved in your life, and your life will not be the same ever again. Amen. Amen. Let's give that person a round of applause, shall we? Welcome home. Welcome home. Let's sing this song.